Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, women and money. Some say, look, for us, work is about so much more than money. But for others? What I find really interesting is only people who have the privilege of saying that it's not all about money can actually say it's not all about money. And when you're negotiating a salary offer or asking for more money at a current job, it's worthwhile to prepare. Take a moment, a few weeks beforehand, to step back and think, how am I feeling about this? What, what am I dreading them saying to me when I ask for this? What do I think the weaknesses are in my case? What do I think they're going to point out is a reason why I don't deserve this salary? Women getting paid fairly for their work. Coming up on The Broad Experience. Today, I'm revisiting some moments from past shows where we focused on women's worth, how we often question that worth, how to charge for our services, and how to negotiate. There is still a sizable pay gap between women and men. I want to cover this more in the new year, But in the meantime, here are some guests whose words made me sit up and think. The audio quality of the past definitely leaves something to be desired in some cases. Back in 2014, I had been working for myself for a few years. I'd been doing this show for about two, and I came across this article on Forbes.com entitled, No, You Can't Pick My Brain. It Costs Too Much. It was by Adrian Graham, a small business owner in Atlanta who had found herself increasingly inundated with requests to have coffee, chat over the phone, all from people who wanted her advice, advice she was charging clients for. This resonated with me because I was getting a little bit of that myself and I didn't know how to respond. Adrian wrote the article describing how and why she said no and offering readers tips on setting boundaries. This is a clip from episode 52, When Women Work for Free, where Adrian describes the moment she realized that as a small business owner, she was undervaluing herself. You know, my dad had a saying, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Or he says a closed mouth don't get fed. That, that's how he used to talk. If you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe that you're worth what you're charging, other people won't. They'll smell that fear and they'll try to haggle you down. When I first started my first business, my recruiting firm, I was very new, very green. I had no connections. And I just picked up the phone and started doing what any entrepreneur would do, which would be cold calling. 
reached out, finally got this advertising agency, and the CEO of the agency decided to take my call, and I was very excited and said, let me put on my big girl pants now and, you know, have this conversation. I won't go into the details, but basically every time I threw out a price, he said, mm, no, mm -mm, that doesn't work for me. And because I really, really wanted this first client and I really, really felt that I need, needed to prove a point that I could at least snag a client, I agreed every time he wanted to lower it. And finally, he got me down to, I think, about 11% of uh, my fee at that time was supposed to be 33%, but 11% he, he, he talked me down to. He says, okay, you know, 11% is, is good. I said, all right, great. He said, now, let me stop you right there. I said, okay. He said, I'm not going to do business with you. And it shocked me. Because it was, well, I agreed to your price. He said, did you learn anything yet? And I said, did I learn anything? What are you talking about? He said, you never, ever, ever discount yourself. You never let anybody diminish your worth right before your eyes. You have a price. You walk into an office. You walk into a meeting. You stand firm in your price and let them see that you're confident in what you have to give. He told me basically, in essence, that because I was able to come down on my price so much, I was telling him that I wasn't worth it. That phone call was instructive and Adrian never looked back. But other women can have a hard time naming their price and sticking to it, especially if they're in a helping profession. In that same episode, I spoke to career coach Kathy Caprino. I had a funny thing happen a few years ago. A neighbor of mine told a friend um, yeah, Kathy charges because she has to charge, uh, you know, because I contribute to, to the family's finances and I had to laugh. Uh, I don't charge because I have to charge. I charge because I run a business and I'm in the business of serving others and, you know, generating income. But uh, there is an expectation in some ways that women are going to give, they're going to be generous, they're going to be supportive. And I think that's cultural training. I do. I think that's how we're raised and the messages we get. But I think the most important thing is is not to blame society and culture. You know, darn it, women are expected to do this. It's to look at yourself and look at how comfortable are you charging. And, you know, I work with a lot of women and they're not comfortable. They're not comfortable. Um, you know, they went into this because it's a service business and they want to be of help. So the idea of charging sometimes top dollar can be very jarring. And there's a process they have to go through to be comfortable charging and not offering everything for free. She says you can't just pick prices out of the air. You need to do a lot of competitive research. Find out what other people with similar businesses are charging. What exactly do they offer and how are you different? What can you guarantee you'll deliver to your clients? And then you start setting, you know, what those prices are and you start offering that and you start doing the work of the pushback. There will be pushback. But let's face it, money's tight for most people today. They are going to push back. Ooh, do I really have to have 10 sessions for $3,500? Can it be less? You've got to learn to get comfortable, yeah, that this is what I'm worth. And sure, we can talk about this, that, and the other thing, but you've got to set the boundaries and live with it. That I needed to hear. I also wanted to ask Kathy about the whole can I pick your brain question. As someone who has a public profile, she does hear from a lot of strangers, many of whom just assume she'll help them out. She says she had a major revelation about this a few years ago. When a post went viral and I got 300 requests from people a day to for me to look at their LinkedIn profile for free. And I got mad. And after the third day, my husband came in and said, you know what, you got to find a way not to get mad at this. And that was such the light bulb. I thought, 
oh, he's so right. And from that day to this, I've, I've done a lot of work about it. But the first thing is, don't get mad and don't get resentful. I've read a million posts that are so snarky, and I wrote one. Don't get mad. People don't know your business model. They don't know that you make money doing this. They see you writing about something, and they want some help, and they're desperate. That's all. So get over being mad. The reality is we have to educate them on what we offer and what we charge. That's our job. You know, we don't, we don't have to expect that they're going to peruse our website for 10 minutes and find our prices. That's our job, right? But when people ask me to meet, and they do, here's how I view it. Is it possible that it's a connection that's going to be really mutually beneficial? And if so, I'm, in fact, you know, this week I am meeting with someone in my town who's got a wonderful nutrition business and uh, she's a nutritional consultant and works with a ton of women. And it's going to be very beneficial, I'm sure, for both of us to chat about how we can help each other. But if it's really people wanting to pick your brain and, they, and they're not coming to the table with anything, they're not offering to barter, they're, they're not thinking of paying, there's ways to respond to that. And, you know, I have a, a pre-written response, which is totally the truth, which says, you know, due to the very high volume of requests for free help that I receive, I'm unable to give you tailored recommendations if you're not my client. And the reason for that is for me to offer effective guidance, I have to know a lot more, and that takes time and commitment. On the other hand, what I'd love to offer you are my free resources. And, you know, Ashley, that is a key, key component. If people want to be of help, and they don't just want to be of help to people that have a lot of money, then to have free resources available, you know, free downloads, free guides, free audios, free webinars, it's so powerful because now you're able to say, I'm sorry, I can't give you my personal time, but I have these wonderful free resources. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So that's women who run their own businesses. But if you work for an organization, you're relying on someone else to pay you fairly. In 2016, I got an email from a listener who was looking for some advice about her employment situation. I brought in financial behaviorist Jaquette Timmons to comment. First, I read out the email. If I look at my current position, I'm very successful based on what I've been able to accomplish and the perception of other people. I enjoy my work most days and I'm pleased when I can lead the university in efforts to improve the lives of students. That said, I am grossly underpaid compared not to my most recent predecessor who was female, but her predecessor, male. I'd be interested in a discussion on how far you push gender equality if you are indeed satisfied with everything else in the work environment. So I asked Jaquette, is it okay to rest on our laurels if we earn enough and we're happy with everything else? On one hand, you know, the short answer to that question is, well, yeah, of course you can. 
Um, you can rest on your laurels if that is uh, sufficient for you. But obviously it isn't. Otherwise, she wouldn't be asking the question. And so I think in this particular case, what it comes down to is, have you really, really defined what good enough is for you individually on many different levels? What's good enough for you in terms of compensation? What's good enough for you in terms of scope of work? And if you do that assessment and you walk away with everything that I have here is just fine, then you don't need to make any changes. But again, she says that's probably not the case here. This particular listener isn't the only one to have written to me saying, look, with women, it's about more than money. Another woman emailed saying women care about other things like flexibility. We're just not thinking in terms of every last dollar. What I love about exploring this topic is, well, we're not going to come up with an answer, but I like all of the different things that we can tap into to try to get to an answer or to several answers. And I think that at the end of the day, what I find really interesting is only people who have the privilege of saying that it's not all about money can actually say it's not all about money. So I think in having this conversation For the person who says money is not everything, I would push back and then say, okay, if money isn't everything, then what would you do if you didn't get your next paycheck? What would you do if the money that you have currently was no longer there? I think, I think you can only say that when you know you have a cushion, when you know, you know, it's almost like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Once the, the bottom level is completely satisfied, then you can go up to the next level. And after that, I mean, the whole idea is that you get to the, the final pinnacle, if you will. And that's what the whole self-actualization, right, where you can focus on personal development and self-fulfillment and things of that nature, Jacquette Timmons from episode 81, Money versus Fulfillment. Now, I think a lot of us in the position of that listener who wrote in would be furious to find out the guy who'd done the same job had been paid a lot more. I know that kind of rage has propelled women to ask for more money, and I'm planning to include one of those perspectives in a show early next year. But ideally, you are not asking for more money in a fit of rage. A negotiation is something you should carefully plan for. A few years ago, I met Natalie Reynolds on a trip to London. She featured in episode 128, You're Worth It, The Power of Negotiation. I kick things off. With a salary negotiation, you need to know what others in similar roles are getting paid. You need to take stock of your own achievements so you can talk them up. In short, you have to know your market value. And this is another thing I wanted to discuss with her, the fact that a lot of women find talking about their worth and their achievements really uncomfortable. I certainly have. We're often nervous as well because a lot is riding on this. The whole process just doesn't feel like us. But Natalie says that's no excuse to duck out. You say in the book, look, just get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable. I think that's really worth talking about. 
a lot of people strive to feel comfortable when they negotiate, but I, I would never advocate that. An element of, of nerves is useful. It keeps you sharp. It keeps you focused. It keeps you wondering what's coming next. And so I will spend a lot of time with male and female clients, getting them to understand why they feel like they do and getting them to own that feeling. I talk about the little voice in the head a lot at the start of the book um, and this idea that we we become overwhelmed by our feelings of discomfort and oh, I just want to get out of there but actually if you can listen to where's this discomfort coming from what am I afraid of if you can actually kind of embrace that discomfort and, and channel it in a different way you then stay sharp and focused and aware but because you've prepared properly you're also then ready to deal with that you should never want to be so laid back you don't worry about these things you know I think nerves and anxiety exist for a reason and if you can harness them properly they will work to your advantage. I want to go back to the the voice in our head because this is a huge thing with women and you'll so many women will talk about this you've got this voice saying I'm not worth that who do you think you are asking for that oh you better scale that back and it's and it's a it's what do you tell people about that because I think feeling like we do not have value whether it's monetary value or simply value as a person this goes really really deep inside women first of all I would say to listeners please don't think men don't suffer from it you know men and women both suffer from the little voice in the head it's just some of us are better at controlling it than others and women do seem to struggle with it particularly around the self-worth and how we value ourselves but the little voice in the head is an interesting one because so many of us think oh right don't listen to it it's telling us negative things don't listen to it problem with that approach is is if you just ignore it in the run-up to the negotiation that little voice will rear its head right when you least need it to right at crunch time when you need to ask for what you want and this is the problem that you can ignore it and ignore it and pretend it's not there then you sit down you open your mouth to give your number to your boss and then it kicks in and then the little voice says you're not worth that they're gonna think you're greedy don't be ridiculous say this instead and so you do you say a lower number or you say very little and just let them take the lead Instead, I advocate a completely different approach, which kind of seems counterintuitive, but to me makes perfect sense, which is that little voice actually represents our innermost fears, inhibitions and anxieties, and also weaknesses in our position or argument. So actually what we should be doing is long before we get to that negotiation table, whether that negotiation table is an actual table or a conversation, you know, however it looks, take a moment few weeks beforehand to step back and think how am I feeling about this what what am I dreading them saying to me when I ask for this what do I think the weaknesses are in my case what do I think they're going to point out is a reason why I don't deserve this salary and you should start then almost accessing that little voice in your head in advance of the negotiation what you can then do is start to mitigate against what it's saying so if it's saying to you well you can't prove you're worth this Well, what you should then do is go away and and establish and build up a business case that says why you are worth this. If it says, well, you can't prove other people are being paid this, well, do you know what? At that point, go away and establish what other people are being paid. If it says, you know what, well, what are you going to do if they say no? Guess what? Go away and start to plan your responses if they say no. So maybe they say, no, we don't think you're worth this. You then say, okay, so what do I need to do within a three-month period to be able to access that level of salary? You know, so actually, if you can own that voice in advance, it actually helps you be more robust once you get to the negotiation table. Natalie Reynolds, negotiation expert and author of the book, We Have a Deal. 
These are just a few moments from shows where we've covered the topic of women and money, a topic I think many of you will agree is incredibly important. I'm going to link you to some great pieces I've read lately on women getting paid. I'll put those links under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. I'm also going to include those in my newsletter this week, which you can sign up for on the website. I'll also link you to all the episodes I've excerpted from today. If there is an aspect of women and money that you would like to hear covered on the show, let me know. Message me on Facebook or Instagram or email me at ashley at thebroadexperience.com. I'll be back with a new show in a couple of weeks. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.